Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by Bank Tech Ventures, the first strategic investment fund designed by the community banking industry for community bank innovation and investment. BankTech identifies leading products and technologies for community banks and works with the founders and management teams to maximize the impact for community banks and their businesses. If you're a bank looking to innovate and invest in the future or a founder who wants to work with community banks, reach out to BankTech Ventures at banktechventures.com. Before we get into our conversation, let me tell you a little bit about my guest today, Brent Jackson. Brent is the founder and CEO of Torpago, a business credit and spend management solution with a strong background in accounting from both big four firm and startups. Brent saw the need for a better solution set for businesses. As he says, they modernize the way that they spend their money. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Brent, thanks for joining me. Carrie, thanks for having me. Excited to chat here. Absolutely. So let's start with some orientation. This is kind of a big topic, uh, and it's gotten just a tremendous amount of attention in the last few years, particularly from the venture community on the investment side. So it's growing quickly. It's really pretty competitive. Uh, as you think about this total market, I'll call it corporate spend management how do you think about the market when you're orienting to it? Yeah, you're spot on. There's been a lot of noise lately. Uh, a lot of people have raised a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, flat out, the first thing that you have to realize is the business spend management market is massive. So mm-hmm. every company spends money, whether you've got one employee or 100,000 employees. Mm-hmm. So a huge demand for this product. There's, um, you know, a lot of new entrants, a lot of legacy entrants. Um, We've seen a lot of our competitors, you know, people like Brex, people like Ramp, raising a lot of venture capital dollars and and growing very quickly. So definitely showing a big demand for the product. You know, you're seeing companies that are, you know, fintech adjacent or in an adjacent product starting to layer on corporate cards. So like Mercury with their IO card or Rippling. Um, so we see a lot of, you know, a lot of noise, um, but, you know, still a lot of demand. So from the way we look at things, less than 1% of all businesses are using a new fintech spend management card. Um, so we feel like there's going to be a lot of winners in this space. You know, there's a lot of companies that need support and just a massive market. Um, while we're competing with those, you know, really who we tend to be competing with most are the bigger sort of legacy players that have kind of dropped the ball really. Mm. So like the Amexes, the Chases, the Concurs, people that are the legacy infrastructure, you know, the go-to for the last couple of decades and they really haven't changed. So mm. while we're competing with the FinTech competitors, we find that we're competing a lot with, you know, manual processes, Excel and the old systems. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So if, if I go to your website today, you know, one of you mentioned one of your competitors, Brex. They they sort of announced earlier this year that they were exiting the small business market, and you're obviously yeah. trying to pick those folks up. 
how how do you think about segmentation? I mean, you mentioned you know companies like American Express and and Concur yeah. as as examples, uh, and I you know I was part of Concur way back in the late nineties. Yeah, um, they've been around a, a long time. What what do you feel like has changed within businesses as they think about spend? So I guess you know two questions would be. You know what do you what do you feel like is is happening with you know somebody like Brex leaving and then how are companies thinking about organizing their their spending? Yeah, so I mean Brex has done a great job. I mean they've built you know twelve billion dollar business. They've grown very fast. Mm -hmm. They've got a great reputation. What they did do though, it seems like, is they gave a lot of large limits to very qualified startups with a lot of capital. And then they got a lot of you know, success. They got a lot of notoriety. With that comes more applications. Mm -hmm. So they approved a lot of small businesses that they probably shouldn't have and mm -hmm. you know, grew to 20,000 plus companies. And you know, I'm sure they probably quickly realized, you know, hey, we, we probably shouldn't be lending to a lot of these companies. And they, I don't want to say that they grew with those companies, but they, you know, they were very top heavy. Then they had a lot of small companies to balance out their numbers. And mm -hmm they abruptly sort of abandoned that market. Um, you know, we've done the opposite. So we're trying to better enable these small businesses. So our go-to-market, our focus has been on, you know, non-venture-backed companies. So Brex, Ramp, they serve venture-backed companies really well. We do a great job with venture-backed companies, but predominantly with your more everyday sort of verticals. So like a manufacturing business, an insurance broker, an accounting firm your very traditional, you know, sort of businesses. Mm -hmm. So as you think about those, what, and, you know, you, you talk about this idea of helping them modernize, what, what is yeah. different in those businesses today as they think about spending versus let's say 10 or 20 years ago? Yeah, there's a bunch of things. I think the first thing that jumps out to me is just on the front end of how you underwrite a business like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, underwriting risk evaluation has evolved over 10, 20 years, mm -hmm. specifically with Brex, you know, they're, they rely a lot on cash balances and bank data sets from Plaid. We do that as well, but for a venture backed company that has a ton of cash they're sitting on, you know, that might sure. work. But for a traditional company that may not keep $10 million in the bank, but yet they're very profitable and, you know, they've been around for 20 plus years having the ability to evolve your underwriting and adapt your underwriting on a, you know, industry by industry basis has been pretty big for us. Mm. Um, yeah. And then also just the way spending, especially now with the pandemic and teams being decentralized and remote, you know, having access to a software platform that's agile, simple to use, and basically easy to issue cards and access to funds to your team is, is really key to any organization. Okay. Thank you for that. I think that's, that's a good orientation. Let's go a little deeper into a couple example customer stories. So you talk about that, that the last couple of years, especially with people getting distributed or new ways of thinking about planning for purchases, making purchases, it's even probably risk management. Yeah. Share a couple of customer examples that you that sort of help bring that to a, a reality of how, how people are using Torpago. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one that jumps out is Goodwill of Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. um, so the local uh, Goodwill branch here, they use NetSuite as their accounting system. 
they were using one of our competitors, Divi, and then they were also using Expensify to reimburse their team. Mm. So they came to us about a year ago and they said, hey, you know, one of our accountants is spending basically a full-time job, 40 hours a week, getting all of our charges from Divi and Expensify into NetSuite. Uh, we need a solution where we can deploy cards to our team. We can set a custom spending policy. We can do approval workflows in the system. And hey, we want to be able to sync these automatically into our ledger so we can close the books faster. So they came to us. They deployed Torpago cards across their 60 plus employees, um, you know, spending six figures a month. Um, they've been able to save basically 40 hours a week from this person whose job was to enter in charges into NetSuite each day. Um, they use Torpago, they set up a custom spending policy, empower their team with cards, they spend what they need, they go through automated approvals, and as soon as it's approved, the charge is coded automatically in their ledger, and they're able to close the books you know, much faster. So I'd say that's a good example of a company that has really deployed us throughout the organization, given cards to everybody and, and utilized the full suite. So that, that's a great example. Thank you. How do you think about the like jumping off point? So let's say a company I mean, that, that, that probably took a fair bit of time on their part, changed some policy procedure um, and a fair yeah. bit of time on your part to get them them there, but now yeah. a very successful, happy customer. Yeah. How, do, how do you think about somebody starting with you uh, next week and where they're likely to, uh, to start and then uh, evolve over time? Yeah, for sure. So that one definitely took a little bit longer to mm -hmm. deploy and implement, as you can imagine. Um, you know, I'd say the beautiful thing about our system is you know, it's feature rich, but it's also really easy to use. Mm -hmm. So you can configure it up and down. So if you have, you know, a thousand employees or 60 employees or two employees, you know, we guide you through a really simple to use setup process. So, you know, once you submit our application, you can get approved same day. For a credit line, you can start issuing virtual cards right away and start spending, you know, within minutes. So we, you can configure Torpago as, as significant or, you know, as simple as you want, you know, based on the needs of your business. And, you know, if you're a growing company, you can start spending right away and you don't have to wait for a long drawn out implementation process. Okay. One of the things I find interesting that I don't spend enough time talking to founders about is naming their company. And yeah. uh, there there are a number of interesting other names in this space, which you've mentioned a few of. How did you end up with Torpago as the name of the company? It's a pretty unique name. Yeah. So when I was starting, um, I had a pretty clear idea of the company we wanted to build and what we wanted to do. What I struggled with a lot was the name. Mm. Uh, you know, I didn't want something cheesy or, you know, I wanted something that was unique that we could build a brand around that we could get the URL for. Um, we landed on Torpago, kind of on a whim. Uh, Tor means peak, Pago payments. We want to be at the peak of business payments and it just sounded kind of cool. We, we bought the domain and uh, we kind of ran with it. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Uh, has have people have you sort of clued people in on the you know peak payments aspect as you've thought about the brand over time or how are you thinking about developing this 
Yeah, I would say we definitely haven't uh, leaned into it as much as we should have. Mm-hmm. So as we continue to develop the brand, you'll definitely see see more of that. Some more of that. So, okay. Very cool. This is your first startup that you founded, Brent. Yeah. You know what? What have you found now, a couple of years in, that's been the most challenging part of that experience for you? Yeah, every day brings its uh, its new challenges, as you're quite aware. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I was kind of reflecting back on this, and I think the biggest thing has been sort of time and, and learning to be patient. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a founder, you start a company, you have this great idea, you think you know how everything should go. And, and most of the time you do, you have a good vision of what you want, how you want to get there. Especially though, as a first time founder, it can be kind of tough to build up that history and, and sort of, you know, experience and, and validation, right? So like when we started Torpago, you know, I knew what we wanted to do, what we wanted to build, but as a first time founder, it can be hard to, you know, sort of get people to believe in you and trust you. And you got to build that track record, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to, you got to take steps and you got to go with what you got and you got to execute. So what I found is once you execute, you know, people trust you more and more and um, you know, it's definitely a journey and you got to be patient, but uh, that's probably been what I've struggled with the most is, you know, not going as fast as I want to at all times. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a real uh, challenge that, yeah, a lot of founders, but I, I feel like you've done a, a great job at, at managing that, you know, emotions and yeah. uh, sometimes you know, frustrations that, that can occur when, yeah, you're just not moving as quickly as, as you maybe hope in those early stages, but building things you can compound on. What yeah. Where have you derived the most enjoyment so far? Yeah, you know, I love working with people, working with other companies. So getting to interact with small businesses, you know, getting to see their pain points, getting to build, you know, tools and, and things that they're going to use every day and, and hopefully mm-hmm. make their life simpler. Um, you know, that brings me a lot of joy. And, you know, also just building a team and, and getting to grow as, you know, a person, a leader and, and getting to meet so many new people like yourself and, you know, other colleagues has been been pretty fun and exciting. That's great. Well, as you think about the business, you know, you're building... It, it is a fintech business and also a software business. Um, so you you have to do things. I mean, you, we, you talked about underwriting credit and how that can be uh, a, a big opportunity, but also a big risk. Yeah. And, and you've had to figure that out. And then also build a, a product, a software product that people will and will enjoy using. Yeah. Yeah. How how are you managing those priorities of, of sort of a financing business and a, a software business? Yeah, it's tough. It's uh, most people have to deal with just one of those. So we definitely have two two unique challenges that have been you know fun to work with. Um, you know, you have to prioritize. You know, you only have so much time. I would say, in the beginning, we did a really good job of focusing on the software building a platform that people want to use that provides value, you know, that's clean, simple to use. Um, As we started to evolve and and grow, we really became more of a credit financing business. Um, So that brought on new challenges. You know, you have to know as a founder, pretty much a little bit about everything. Um, You know, so it it is challenging. Um, You know, I would say priorities tend to shift over time. So it's always adapting. 
Um, what's helped me a lot is hiring experienced people and, and, you know, continuing to build out the team. So, you know, bringing on a CTO, bringing on a head of risk, you know, people that have experience in some of these areas and, you know, leaning on them and, and collaborating with them has been, been pretty helpful. As you think about the next phases and maybe if, if today your business is, you know, 50, 50 between call it financing and software, where do you, where do you see this evolving over the next phase? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be a financing aspect, right? Um, we're definitely going to shift more software as we continue to grow. Our approach early on has always been, you know, hey, we're not going to monetize on the software. We're going to give you free access to corporate cards and really powerful spend management software. Um, we're going to monetize on the payments and we're going to give the software away for free. What that does is that removes the friction and the barriers to sign up. Mm -hmm. uh, but however, long-term, you know, I think we're sort of at a, a, a inflection point, you know, we've got about 1200 companies and we're at a point now where, okay, we've got enough, you know, demand, we've got enough people using the system. We're starting to monetize on the software. So charging for some of the premium features and, you know, layering on different SaaS components mm -hmm. and you know, always having that credit piece there because, you know, credit gets people in the door and, you know, removing the barriers, you know, helps them sign up. But, you know, longer term, we'll definitely, you know, evolve into more of a software company and have more software features for sure. Yeah, it makes makes total sense. I mean, it it is certainly a, a great way to to build a business, too, in that you, you've been able to monetize pretty early on, but not yeah. solely rely on just payment revenue as, as the sole source. Yeah, yeah. So we, we we sort of talked earlier about this idea of working with modern businesses. I'm curious how you think about that. Do you interview or screen the companies that you are thinking about working with? And, uh, you know, what is it about them that you identify as, as sort of modern in uh, your mind? Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, our competitors have done a great job of working with what might be, you know, considered more modern kind of newer businesses. Um, you know, when I think of us working with modern businesses, I think of us being able to empower these companies to have a more modern stack and in, in mm. infrastructure. So mm -hmm. they have, by coming into Apago, we give them access to more modern spend management tools. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, you know, our mobile apps or virtual cards or integrations, we allow them to work better, smarter, faster, easier. Um, so I like to think that we're helping them become more modern. Mm -hmm. You know, we work with a lot of um, traditional companies that might be overlooked by software providers. They might, you know, just for whatever reason, they're using pen and paper or Excel and they just sure. haven't deployed new tools recently. Um, so yeah, I like to think that we're helping them become more modern. Um, yeah. With, with our, our system. So th what what would be, if you were to talk to a business who is trying to become more modern, that's it. I like that, that you're, you're thinking this way. What would be the questions that they should ask themselves to sort of identify if they might be a good candidate for you? Yeah. Well, I like to think everybody's a good candidate. So sure. we want to serve as many companies. Um, no, but yeah, in all seriousness, um, you know, maybe I'll flip it on you. We we tend to ask a couple screening questions up front. So we mm -hmm. want to 
understand, you know, what their current process is, what tools they're using day one. Um, so really, you know, I guess for us and for them, understanding what they use right now, what's not working and, and what they're trying to solve for. So maybe they're, you know, manually reviewing charges or maybe they're sharing one American Express card and mm -hmm. they've had some fraud or, you know, whatever the problem is, there typically tends to be one major pain point that they're looking to solve for. <clears throat> that is sort of like a good, you know, entrance point. Then from there, we're able to show them hey, you know, you came to us for X, but here are these five other things that we think you should be doing as well. Mm -hmm. um, so really identifying, I guess, in a long way, I'm trying to say is identifying what the initial sort of pain point is and then, you know, helping them elaborate from there. Okay. So, you know, all indications are that the economy is getting a little bit more challenged right now, whether that is obviously, you know, interest rates and inflation, or uh, there's some signs that maybe job growth is slowing a little bit. And typically that is is one of those kind of, you know, re reduced access to credit for a lot of consumers and businesses as a result of, of that kind of tightening that typically happens. How are you guys adjusting or thinking about that from an opportunity standpoint at Torpago? Yeah, so the markets are definitely turbulent, as everybody knows. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw some signs, some warning signs of this earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what we did is we hit the pause button. We completely revamped our credit box, <coughs> excuse me, and our credit policy. So a couple of key things that we did, we brought on a director of risk and underwriting, a guy named Brendan. He was at Capital One, Citigroup, so really strong background on the commercial card space. Uh, we brought him on and then we completely revamped everything. So we tightened down our credit policy, our credit box. We made it a lot harder to get approved upfront. And we added in a lot of new checks, thresholds, you know, things that we do on the upfront end to ensure that we're deploying capital in a smart manner, you know, giving the appropriate credit to companies that actually need it and can support it. Mm -hmm. And that has just significantly cleaned up all of our book, you know, our customer base, a lot of our performance metrics. Um, yeah, and the other really big thing, you know, we did this year in our people and our infrastructure. So we hired a lot of people on the question side, on the underwriting side, on the accounting side, you know, really just to make sure that we're set up, you know, for this next level of growth and, and scale. Um, and, you know, really just, you know, two stats that I like to kind of throw out that I think iterate all this work that we've done are of all the companies that we've approved and originated in 2022, only three of those have gone delinquent, meaning they've gone 30 days or more without repaying us. And then of companies that go 15 days delinquent, 70% of those go back to current. So they roll mm. back to being current. So we, you know, we attribute a lot of that to the infrastructure and team that we put in place around the collection side and the accounting side and, and just being more proactive, you know, with our customers. Very good. I would imagine too, it probably has you thinking about other software and financial products that you could add to your suite to address this environment as well. Maybe some of these companies aren't ready for credit yet but there are things you could help them with to maybe even get them ready as as an example 
Yeah, so interesting that you say that. So we have a pretty cool new product coming out this quarter. Uh, it's gonna be essentially a builder product. Uh, still working on the name, but essentially I think a credit builder product. So hmm. if you come to Torpago, you don't meet our credit criteria. We don't necessarily want to turn you down because, hey, you're probably a good business. You know, mm -hmm. things just may be a little tighter right now and we can't give credit to everybody. Um, so we're going to be rolling out different repayment cycles. Mm -hmm. So essentially starter credit packages where you can get a smaller limit. You can repay us more frequently. And as you build up positive history with Torpago, you can graduate to, you know, longer repayment cycles and, and larger credit lines potentially. Very cool. I, I like that you're... Uh... Yeah, providing sort of some different options as opposed to just a yes or no that I think is unfortunately the reality that a lot of people face out there when they're when they're trying to to find various solutions. Yeah, we've done a good job of getting companies to come inbound to us, and you know, as we grow and scale, we want to make sure that we can support you know most of these businesses, if not mm -hmm. all. Well, what, one of the big changes of the last couple of years as, as a result of COVID and it's just advanced several years of what I think was a likely trend is the culture change of distributed work and hybrid work some days in the office, some out. I think you have companies still trying to figure out what their new reality is when it comes to this. In the context of corporate expenses, obviously if everybody was in the office and they were sharing one card as, as the way they spent money that may have been able to work in a prior era, but is, is a much more challenging or risky thing now. Like what, what are the big culture changes in how business is done that you've really embraced as how you think about where Torpago can help? Yeah, I think you hit it spot on. It's that there's a distributed workforce, right? So mm -hmm. gone are the days where you're sitting next to Sally, the controller, and you kind of share the corporate card, right? You know, your team needs access to funds to essentially do their job, right? And mm -hmm. if you've got people, you know, like us, for example, we have people in various different states, different countries, you know, you don't want to just be text messaging card numbers. Sure. You need you need a secure platform where you can have controlled spending and, and your team can have access to funds. Um, yes, I mean, it's an exciting time. And I would say that's, you know, enter Torpago. That's where we've seen a lot of our success. Um, you know, we've invested heavily in creating a simple to use product where you can set up, you know, company spending policies. You can give people free accounts without paying license fees. Everybody can have a Torpago account. They can request cards on demand from their mobile app. You know, we've done things like Slack integrations. We just make it very simple for employees to access company funds and then for managers, finance accounting team members to, you know, approve those, to control those, you know, make sure that people are spending on what they should be. Um, yeah. So our whole thing is trust. Like we want you to spend the time up front to set some guardrails, but really, you know, empower your employees and trust them to spend on what they need. But on the back end, you know, you have the tools in place and the infrastructure that we've developed to monitor that spending. Mm. And, um, you know, that has really allowed people to scale. Um, you know, kind of the example I like to use is, you know, you don't want to review every charge, right? You don't want to be spending $10 to review that $7 coffee that somebody mm -hmm. bought, right? 
So you want to feel confident that you can trust your team and they have the tools to spend on what they need to do their job, but at the same time, you know, secure and you can monitor, you know, kind of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like as a result of this distributed workforce, you mentioned the word trust, yeah. that there have to be new ways to enable and and develop trust between yeah. organizations and the people that are part of them. And uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely would agree. You guys have a role to play there to, to help with that and make sure people feel like they can get the job done as well. Yeah. Yeah. People don't want to feel pigeonholed and, you know, have to ask to, you know, buy that software platform or mm-hmm. you know, that team lunch or take that client out. So it's, uh, you know, having a platform where you can, you know, facilitate that, you know, helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you've made great strides that I've seen in your team and yeah. in the company as you've grown over the last uh, couple of years. What have you learned about recruiting and hiring for startups? Yeah, it's, uh, it's different than recruiting and hiring for, for traditional businesses. Um, you know, what I would say is, you got to keep an open mind. You got to talk to as many people as you can. Uh, and you got to find other people that, you know, have relevant experience, but also at the same time, you know, people that are motivated, people that share your vision, people that want to, you know, bust their ass for lack of a better word and, mm. you know, work hard with you on the journey. Um, so, you know, really just sort of finding that right mix of people. Um, yeah. What else I've learned? I've learned that you know, there's going to be different people that are right at different parts of the company. Mm. So, you know, maybe the person that you bring on when you're a seed stage company in an apartment might not be the person that helps you scale when you're series A, series B, and, and so on. So we're definitely starting to see that and, you know, just adapting and, and realizing people have different strengths and, and you know, learning about those. Mm-hmm. Any other tips you have for, for managing that process? Because I mean, that, that, that can be hard, right? There's some of those people that were with you really early as an example, um, that can be really hard to accept that reality that they may not go with you all the way on the entire journey. Yeah, I think, you know, what you need to do is you need to realize that people have different strengths and you need to find out where you can best utilize those. So we have, you know, our team, you know, about 36 right now. So everybody wears a lot of different hats. You know, everybody's kind of involved in everything right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what we're focusing a lot on is the specializing. So finding out, you know, hey, you know, maybe John was really good at customer success to start but that's not where his skill set is. And as Mm. we evolve the business, you know, I think just being honest and upfront and and communicating with your team and, you know, having regular check-ins and and just communicating as much as you can allows you to kind of better utilize people's strengths and, you know, make sure they're in the right role for both them and and the company. Hmm. Well, we're coming toward the end of our time, Brent. One one last thing I'd love for you to to share is you what what's on the horizon for Topago the rest of, of this year? We're we're coming into Q4 and this is a, a big time of year for companies thinking about budgeting and uh what what is on their own horizon. So how what's on Topago's horizon for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think you know over the next couple of months you're gonna see a lot of new features continue to be rolled out. So we've got a great platform. Um we're going to continue to add on new features. 
So whether it's our Slack integration, our receipt email capture, you know, more accounting integrations, I think you'll see a lot of new exciting features being shipped from us. And then, you know, what I'm most excited about is what we're doing with community banks. Mm. Um, so taking everything that we've built over the last two years, and we're going to be launching a corporate card as a service product. So basically enabling community banks that serve business customers, um, tools and a platform to stand up corporate card programs, essentially within 60 days. So Torpago can provide all the infrastructure support. These community banks can take what we've built and help sell and provide you know, corporate cards to their customers. So I'm very excited about that. Very cool. And uh, look forward to, uh, to seeing where that goes. Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, such a big topic, because as you said, you know, this is a multi-trillion dollar a year area of spending for yeah. every single business. And, you know, it's been such a joy to work with you. You know, I uh, am, you know, appreciated the privilege of being able to be uh, an investor in Torpago and on your board and, and to really be pretty involved in uh, a lot of the conversations and uh, wanted to give you a, an opportunity to really share a lot of what I've been able to experience by working so closely with you over the last year and a half. And, you know, just been amazed to watch you grow and uh, appreciated how collaborative you've been. And and I think that's a, a great hallmark for you as a entrepreneur and a, and a business leader and just so excited for what's ahead for you and the team over at Topago. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate the, the opportunity to come on here and, uh, you know, can't iterate enough or reiterate enough how, you know, thankful we are to have you and you know how helpful you've been to us on our journey. So it's been great. And, uh, you know, we're excited to continue growing and, and see where this goes. Awesome. Well, more to come for sure. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.